The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. Welcome to the Brown Table Talk. I am DC Marshall, founder and CEO of Diverse and Engaged, and a Wall Street alum and LinkedIn top voice. And I'm here with my co-host Mita. Hey there, Mita. Hey there, DC Marshall. I'm Mita Malik, a business leader, a DEI champion, a working mother, and my superpower is storytelling. Yes, it is. Mita and I, we started Brown Table Talk as a place to spill the tea on the hard truths women of color face in their workplaces from my perspective as a Black woman and for Mita, her view as a South Asian woman. And at our table, we unpack it all. We don't leave any juicy details out. And you know this if you have tuned into the show before, but then we provide you with tips, tips not on how to survive, but how do you thrive? We want to see you win. So Mita, what are we talking about on today's show? Okay, D, I want to take a different lens to negotiation and I want to unpack this topic with you. What to do when your boss just won't pay you more? You know, you've earned it, you deserve it, won't pay you more. And I love this topic because, you know, if you go back to season one, D and I talk about how she coached me on negotiating. So we want to talk about the flip D of when your negotiating is not well-received. <sighs> There's a big sigh here <laughs> because... I haven't even told my story yet. I haven't even told the story. Okay, well, go ahead. Tell the story. Because I, I, you know, you know what? Every story you tell, my... I, like my mouth is to the floor. Like, are you serious? So go ahead, tell the story. Let me hear this one. What is it? You're like, you got to wait. You got to keep the sigh. You got more size, but this, okay. She's <laughs> like, oh, here well, we go. Well, well, can I tell you something? My immediate sigh is not for the story, but the fact that we're still having this conversation. And how is it that we know that there is inequality and inequity in terms of pay, but that we can't fix this? I mean, we yeah. have fixed- yeah the straw issue. Plastic straws are canceled, but we're still having a conversation about pay. Come on, tell the story. (laughs) Oh my God. And listen, my story is all of our stories. I am a storyteller, but I don't, I'm not making these stories up. These are all real stories. And thank you to all the women of color who have reached out to us. One in particular, D, who said, it's like you're reading my journal, right? It's like you're reading my journal. So as D says, this is ear hustle allies, pull up a chair because these are the stories you don't hear. So a few years back, executive role on a leadership team, and we're making a lot of external hires. And so of course, you know, you've read the articles when you, when you leave jobs, you make more money. And so I'm noticing as I've been promoted, as people are coming in, I've got the numbers, I've got the facts, I'm, I'm getting paid less versus internal peers versus the market. I know this. We'll talk about this. I've done the due diligence. I've got the facts. All right, D, ready? So it's okay, it's performance okay. review time. I, I walk in. I've got the smile. I want to be gracious. I want to make my then manager feel comfortable as we go through the review. And I say, I would love to talk to you about my compensation and have you look at reviewing it for the following reasons. And I'm very 
gracious and kind and smiling a lot because I don't want to make this white man uncomfortable, right? So I go through it. Do you know what he, do you know do you know what he says to me, D? What did he say? Mita, you and your husband make more than enough money. His response was, let me say this again for our audience. Mita, you and your husband make more than enough Shut money. Up. Shut and up. I had no idea what to say. I just sat there. I, I, I did not know what to say. What do you even say to that? That someone would say this out loud in closed doors. We're both there. Performance review. That was the response. And then, oh my God, I'm like, should I have not asked for more money? What's going on here? The guilt, the shame, the awkwardness. Then he actually, because this was someone who was a narcissist, starts talking about himself and the conversation moves on. But you know what, D? I worked for this person for too long, as you know, and I tried to hide from him and others what my husband did for a living because, quite frankly, it's no one's business, nor does it have anything to do with how I show up at work, the value, right. the credibility, the points on the board. What the bleep does my honey husband partner's career have to do with my career and pay yeah. me? But I was like, you know, there's two things. One, it's like, how do you respond to that? And I'm like, wow, people actually say these things out loud. Now you have shown me, as Dr. Maya Angelou taught us, when people show you who they are the first time, believe them. This person showed me 20 times over. And it's like, this is it. You've just said it out loud. This is so frustrating. It's so painful. I'm shocked, but not shocked. And you know what I think is really problematic for this is that this kind of behavior is allowed. It's It's been allowed to go on for so long and go unchecked and untreated, untreated and unchecked. So how did you leave this? Because, I mean, first off, how does he know? Why does, well, first of all, why does that matter? Why is that even a conversation? Why do you feel comfortable saying that? That's number one. Why does that matter? Why do you feel comfortable? How do you know and then it's the acknowledgement. Actually, let me tell you what's code in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the code was, "Yep, you're not there. You're not being compensated at the level that you should." So that was actually on the witness stand. If I was Judge Judy, I yes. would say I would probe more on him acknowledging that you and your hubby may already make enough, make enough is an acknowledgement that that is a decision, right? a decision, you're making a decision about her salary. because So that means that she's not making what she should be making. And you know what I'm actually, I'm actually thankful for is that he said it out loud. He said it out loud because a lot of these, you're, you're, yes. you have coached so many executives. You've coached me. You work with Fortune 10, Fortune 50. These are the things that are happening. I have been in talent conversations where people will say, well, he's starting a new family. Or she won't take that job because her partner is blah, 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 blah in the city. Did we ask her? Making assumptions. And you know what, really, why I share this story, one, because these are the things that we do at this table, is we talk about the things that we're exchanging audio messages about, but we're not. We're sharing them live for everyone to hear now. And also this bias that people think that women of color don't negotiate. 
right? Like, listen, there are some, and we've talked about this culturally. I've had a really hard time talking about money. It's tied to all of my upbringing and humility. You don't talk about how much you make. You don't ask. You, You shall receive. The system will take care of you. The system is broken and doesn't work. We know that. So there's that piece, but there's Mm -hmm. also the piece is like, yeah, now Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with my coach, DC Marshall, I do ask for more. I do ask for what I have earned. I do ask for my value and I know my worth and it's not well received always. And that's the conversation I want to have, especially Mm with allies in the room. It's like, okay, so I or D come to you asking for more money overconfident, being extra, thinks she should earn more. Oh, who does she think she is? All of those things, right? All of those things. So there's a couple things. So one, there is, how do leaders, how, how do they do better? Like one, you know, in so many right. ways, there's no accountability in a lot of ways when it comes to things like this. There's accountability for measures and metrics and you know, KPIs and hitting goals, but there is no level of accountability. Just being respectful for canceling systemic uh, racism, pay disparities. Like there's no, there's not a real system of accountability in that regard. And then there is no real learning and development for, I think for a lot of like course correction, there's more development for skill competency, hard skills, technical skills, but there's not a lot of development around. And so, you know, part of this is about inclusive leadership. It's one leadership, right? But then it's another, it's inclusive leadership. So understanding how to lead, but also how to see through a multicultural lens and how that, you know, thought pattern of exclusive behavior, which is downright just racist, sexist, racist, sexist, racist. I mean, which is it? There's no real accountability and then there's no real development. Right. Um, there's a bit of arrogance, even when it comes to our country, that some things, no, you just should automatically know when maybe you weren't taught, right? So there is an automatic assumption that you know how to lead people. Like we in this country invest way more on things that don't matter and then things that matter in terms of handling people, leading people. This is the case for psychological safety and high trust environment. So for allies listening here, we're really talking about leadership and leadership at the next level, the 2.0, the 3.0, because there are new rules right now for leadership. How do you lead through a multicultural lens? This conversation about pay, I mean, that's a whole nother issue right now, but just the way it was handled, just the way this leader handled a conversation. He said out loud what so many people are thinking. That's what I appreciated about that. Other things he had said was, oh, well, D's the breadwinner. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter what we do or where we move her because she's the breadwinner. She'll take whatever assignment. Huh? Or using that as a reason to pay you less, right? Because you were never going to go anywhere because you were the breadwinner. What I do want to say, and what I think you, what you brought up is so important about leadership capabilities is like allies listening up, as D would say, our WB, our WG friends, do not think that it's the job of human resources to lead your team. It's not their job. So what does that mean? It's not their job to figure out if your team is paid fairly and equitably. Do the work. You've got a team of 10. You inherited the team. You've hired some people. Sit down with maybe your boss or someone in HR and go through the numbers to say, huh, okay, Mita's been here a while, and then I just brought D in, and now I have Mark, 
and now I have Lily and now I have, okay, so this is your responsibility. You know, leaders think that it's like the system's going to fix the pay. No, no, no. It's your job, your job to pull the numbers up for your team and be like, wow, Nita and Deer actually paid a lot less. Like I had never actually looked at that or thought about that and, and correct it. You have the power to correct it. Don't put the power in HR hands and think that HR is going to do it. It's your job to do it. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tober Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, We'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. And so, we had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. You know, I'm thinking about one of my early uh, early jobs and there was one woman leader. I've, I've talked about her before. She was a senior vice president because I'm so far removed and I'm sure she's retired, but she was a role model for me. Her name was Debbie Aldridge and she was gorgeous. She had this beautiful, coarse blonde hair and she was super buttoned up because she'd come in and the hair would be down and it was gorgeous. But then she'd go right to the restroom and put it up in a French roll. That's how old school, like she had to put it up. She was the only woman and the only white woman. She was a white woman, but she was super bad all day. And can I tell you, I remember her pushing back when one of her direct reports either submitted a performance appraisal and a compensation that was not in line and fair and equitable. Baby, she pushed back. She said, why did he do X? Oh, she shut it down. And this was years ago. She was the only woman. She was super bad all day. And because, see, I was her assistant at the time. So I knew she pushed it back. So I saw it for myself. And sidebar, sidebar, we have so many stories of leaders and whether it's majority leaders or whether it was white cis male or white cis female who do horrible things that we have seen, this is my story. In fact, it's so interesting. I've got in season four uh, some really great stories. She was the woman, the only one who pushed back on you will not get why, why this rating and why that compensation. And so can everybody, can we just give a virtual round of applause for super bad assery white woman, Debbie Aldridge? Where are Debbie. you? Debbie. Debbie. Yes. We need more Debbies in our workplaces. We need more Debbies. Yes. I'm sure she's retired now. And so to your point about leaders know, and leaders, I think you gave some great insight for allies who are listening 
leaders who are listening, not just allies, but leaders, this is your responsibility to make sure that there is fair and equitable compensation. And let me give you another, when they won't pay you, fair and equitable compensation. We're probably going to have to put this in the parking lot. Fair and equitable budget, P&L responsibility, direct reports. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. You have that we talk about in season one, because you coached me on when I've gotten jobs, Mita. It's about everything. It's not just about the compensation package. It's about the PL, the direct reports, and especially when we know what's happening in the marketplace with chief diversity officers, which is another story for another time. But D, I've just gotten so much smarter over the years, and our friendship and like your support has been everything. And so after that experience, I learned, right? Because what do you do? Here's the question What do you do when your boss won't pay you more? What do you do? Here's what you do you create internal pressure. And so, as D would tell me, find a WB, find a white boy, find somebody in the organization who is a peer to the boss or a senior to the boss and get them to be an ally for you and go and talk to them. And I've done this where let's say, D, you're the white man ally and I come to you and say, so D, tell me how you negotiate compensation. Would just love your advice on that. D starts sharing and D asks, well, Mita, how do you feel about your compensation? Yeah, D, that's why I came to you. I'm just struggling. Da, da, da. And basically yeah. what I do is I make D an advocate for me. So we're in, when they're in that room, mm-hmm. D's going to bring up, huh, you know what? I Can we take a look at Mita's compensation? Because I think it might be off. And then all of a sudden the boss doesn't know what to do because it's a peer or someone senior. And the boss likely, if mm-hmm. enough, if there's enough pressure they will look at it and do the right thing. But that was something that never occurred to me till later in my career. Just because your boss won't give you more money doesn't mean you can't find someone else in the organization who won't do it for you. You made me smarter, Dean. You've made me smarter. That's it, my friend. That's it. And And then another, I'll add to that, another way to do that is just understanding the why, understanding the why. Because if it has to do with, let's just say there's performance or or it said, oh, performance, what I believe is then you're always guaranteed an increase in the next six months or the next cycle. Because what you do is, and this is more of me with my coaching hat on, is then you find out what does it take, what what do I need to do? And then you just do that. So if there's clarity around, it's this thing, this thing, and this thing, these three things, then over the next six months, you kill it and go back. And then I think we know However, what we're dealing with is the pay disparities. I mean, given the fact that white women have to work an additional three months to March to make the same compensation as a white male for black females, we have to make an additional or work an additional eight months until August, which is coming up. Um, to make the same as white cis men. And then for uh, Latinas in the room, you have to work an additional 10 months. And so it is just so unfortunate that we're still having this conversation and that the decision is in the hands of your immediate reporting boss is so unfortunate. This is a sidebar. If you're an Asian woman in the Northeast, you know who's compensated the most of women? It's not white women, it's Asian women. If you're in the Northeast, and I did some research a couple years ago. In our market, Mita, Asian women are number one, and then white women two, and then black women three. It is just so unfortunate that we're still having this conversation and that the decision is in the hands of your immediate reporting boss is so unfortunate. 
So that's really interesting. And a friend of mine who identifies as AAPI educated me on this because even the label AAPI, which is a podcast for another time, encompasses so many communities that there are some communities who are actually making considerably less, but because of the average, it's pulled up. So just something to think about, educate ourselves on, that someone educated me on. Yes, and that's why I like that we have the the standard of women have to work an additional X, but yes. then they teased it out. We like that it, we know white, black, Latinas, Asian, but then we know regionally though, you're, to your point, we have to yes. know because, right, some would say, well, Black women, no D in the South. They told me D in Mississippi. Oh, you have to work an additional two years. Right. And I'm talking about the difference between East Asian and South Asian women, right? right. There's a difference. between Right. So even within the mm-hmm. AAPI, the sub-communities. Anyways, that's a whole other podcast for another time. We need to do a podcast on that. So your question was, what to do when they won't pay you more. So I love the strategy. Yeah. And one of the things that I've, you know, the facts and figures matter because some allies here listening might say, oh, there's Mita. She just wants more money, right? She got a car, she got this, whatever, whatever. People start here. Okay. No, it's not that I just want more money. I deserve it and I've earned it. So for people listening who are trying to negotiate, you need to understand exactly to what Dee said, the file, the accomplishments, the points on the board, the ratings, the evals, what you're currently making versus your peers, if you can find that out. And yes, we should be talking to our community about how much we're making because how else are you going to know, which I didn't do for years. For years, I didn't talk about my salary. Find out what comparable jobs are in different industries in the marketplace. You need all that data so that you can go and say, this is the story of why I need to be valued and paid more. You need the story. Yeah. And so I'll just add this about the transparency around pay. You know, LinkedIn did a study. You know, I love Gen Z and I love the current disruption in workplace culture and the work contract. But, you know, Gen Z said, go find the tallest, whitest dude, not my words, and ask his salary. And so... I think this is all part of, to your point, Mita, building your case of your points on the board, your receipts, you know, then your advocate, your ally, do the research and find out. But that's the current conversation uh, this year in the marketplace is Gen Z is going to fix this entire situation by saying, you know what, let's just, just to share all of our salaries. If they won't, if they, they won't share, we'll share our own and then we'll see. We'll see. Well, And the pay transparency laws, which are going around state by state, that's going to also come to a head with the trends that you're talking about from Gen Z entering the workforce. The other thing I would say is for allies listening, I always say, you can have your first thought in your head and guess what? The beauty is no one can hear it but you. You can have that first thought. You can sit with it. And it's really important what you choose to do next and the action you take. So when D is coming to you and asking for more money, what is triggering you and what is going to trigger that response? Now, my former boss is the worst case scenario example. And actually the gift that keeps on giving in many ways, but the gift of he said it out loud. But many of us are thinking these things. And so check yourself, because if it was a white, a tall white man coming and asking, and you might argue he might not have to ask because he just might have automatically been given the raise or given what he deserves to be paid. 
So that's what I would ask allies. Just check yourself when you're having that thought. Like, why is it that I'm being triggered that D's asking me for more money? Like, what is it about that? And the last that I'll say before we get to the tips is think about, you know, and again, this is for, for allies listening here. Think about your daughter. Think about your sister. Like, just think about your daughter and how that translates for your daughter going into the workplace. And when they come back and tell you that, you know, guy who was just hired, who she had to train is, is making, you know, 10 times more, you know, whatever. Just think about that. I always think that for allies and advocates, what you can do is just put on another lens. So put on another frame that allows you to think about it from a different perspective. So put on the frames as, as a woman, as a person of color, uh, a woman of color, or your daughter. All right. Let's move on to the tips. So Mita, why don't you bring us to the tips and bring us on home? Yes, I'm going to take one and two. One we talked about, Dee, is that if you are going to negotiate and ask for more money, know the numbers, facts, make the case, do your research, and don't be afraid to ask people in your community so you can get help and support and understand and level set, as you would say, what is your salary internally versus the marketplace? Number two, listen, I gave you that tip. Find the ally. Find the WB, as D would tell me, to help you fight for your pay internally if your boss is, is a blocker. And D, drop the mic with three. Take us home. Go where you are valued. As Mita always says, where you are celebrated, not where you are tolerated. So once you have done all that you can do, you make the best decision for yourself and go where you are valued. Dee, I love this podcast. I love the collaboration and doing this with you. Thank you all for listening today. <laughs> if you enjoyed the conversation, please share it with someone in your community and please go and rate and review Roundtable Talk podcast. Um, we will see you next time. Thank you all. Side effects of listening to Roundtable Talk may include allies unleashed, getting paid more, and a dose of badassery all the way around. More at www.roundtabletalkpodcast.com.